Good morning and welcome to this assembly. My thanks to Darrell and to Herb for taking care of my duties when we were away last week. We thank God for safe travel every time we go away and come back safely. And we thank you for your prayers and we are thankful for each of you here today. Have you ever been to a place in your life facing some tough decision and you reach a point of frustration? It may come to a point where <clears throat> you just wish someone would step in and decide for you. <clears throat> Darrell, would you see if there is a bottle of water back there? So you come to a point where you wish someone would step in and decide for you. We all may understand that kind of stress and there may be situations where it is best for someone to help you face a tough decision. But I want to talk to you about four decisions only you can make. Four decisions only you can make. You cannot turn these decisions over to anyone else, no matter how someone may want to help. Here's the fundamental point of this sermon. God made us in such a way there are certain essential responsibilities we cannot pass on to someone else. God made us in such a way there are certain essential responsibilities we cannot pass on to someone else. Here are four decisions only you can make. Consider them carefully. Four decisions only you can make. Number one, the decision to listen. Jesus said more than once, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke chapter 11 and verse 15. I see the men at the back trying to scramble to find a bottle of water. I'm fine now. <clears throat> I'm okay. Come in and listen to the sermon. It's a good one. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke eleven fifteen. Then in Mark chapter 4 and verse 3, Jesus started the parable of the sower by saying something. He said, listen. Listening isn't something someone else can do for you. God made us in such a way the responsibility to listen belongs to each individual. Now, we shouldn't confuse audibility with listening. Audibility occurs when sound reaches the physical ear. Audibility means perceptible by the ear. Listening is something else. It's another level. It means to receive in your mind, to learn, 
to process the sound into ideas and principles and concepts that you consider. About a month or so ago, I received prescription hearing aids. And when they were installed, I could hear sounds I had missed for a long time. I came home from the audiologist and told Paula, the refrigerator door squeaks, and she said it always has. The change was so dramatic, I told someone I could now hear grass growing. That's audibility is what that is. It is sound reaching the ear, perceptible to the physical ear. Sound conduction by itself holds no promise of a changed life. The promise of a changed life lies in listening and learning and thought leading to change from the highest source of authority. In the Bible, hearing and listening is much more than audibility. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. And it says, hearing, not just anything. Hearing the word of God. That hearing requires concentration, personal thought, a consideration of what God has revealed with reference to your personal life. Sometimes there's audibility without responsible listening. There are people in audiences like this who hear the words. The PA system works well. The sound waves are managed by the physical ear and perhaps the words as they come together make sense. But in many cases the problem is there is no response to the truth being presented. There is no serious thought, no self-examination, no process that would lead to a decision to change your life. See, nobody can listen for you. Nobody can listen for me. Real listening always requires attention, understanding, the work of thinking and then applying what is true to your life. Nobody can do that for you. <clears throat> In reading and listening to preaching, we've got to hear what God has revealed with a view towards submitting to Him. Christ died to make that possible. And we need to speak to others about what it means to listen to God as revealed in Scripture, learning and leading to obedience. The pathway forward for every person here and the pathway forward for this church is personal decisions to listen to God speak to us through His Word. And that leads me to this. The decision to obey. Don't ever let anybody tell you somebody else can do this for you. Again, we were made by God with this assignment 
of responsibility. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon goes into this lengthy discussion about various aspects of life on earth. Some good and some not so good. Solomon talks about blessings and opportunities and unexpected tragedy and good times and bad times. And, and really some parts of Ecclesiastes may seem <coughs> mysterious and hard to understand. But when all is said and done, Solomon concludes with something so simple no mystery, no complexity. Solomon concludes the book by saying, Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Now nobody can do that for you. You can't hire a proxy or an agent. Good people can encourage you speak to you, tell you about the consequences of disobedience to God, all of that, but nobody can do it for you. Obedience is personal. It has to come from you, from inside of you, where the Word of God has found residence. Various religious traditions have tried to act like they are getting around this, but you just can't. When you listen and you learn of your sin from God's Word, and then you keep listening, and you understand that Jesus died for you, then you keep listening and you know that to receive the gift of salvation... You must believe in Him, confessing that belief. You repent and you're baptized. Nobody can take it from there. You have to do it. The New Testament speaks of obeying the gospel. And that's a personal decision. In Romans chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 15 through 18. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read 15 through 18. This chapter begins with Paul's affirmation that we become recipients of God's grace through our response to Him being baptized into Christ. And then he says, listen to this part of it, from 15 to 18, I'm in Romans chapter 6, 15 through 18. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves... To anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin 
<coughs> have become obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Paul says, you present yourselves. You present yourselves as obedient servants. You become servants of the one you obey. To Christians, Paul said, you were once slaves of sin, but you became obedient from the heart to God, and you were set free from sin. That's an individual decision to obey. Nobody can do that for you. I cannot present myself to God for you. And say, well, he's not interested in obedience, but I'll do it for him. That's not the plan of God at all. It is an individual decision to obey, and nobody can do it for you. Number three, the decision to serve. I'm going to be over in Matthew 22, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. So, after baptism. So, here's where we are. You decide to listen and learn from the Word of God. You decide to obey, and you were baptized into Christ. Now, after baptism, what then? Can somebody take it from there for you? No. Personal responsibility doesn't end at baptism. It must continue, and that continuation means serving God and serving others. You've heard this before many times in Matthew 22, 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like to it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You know, sometimes in reading scripture, here's something very simple. Sometimes in reading scripture, very simple common words, words that we use every day, are absolutely loaded with meaning. Very simple words we use every day, loaded with meaning. In this passage, the key word, you. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love your neighbor. So I cannot love God for you, though I can urge you to do it. I cannot love your neighbor for you as an agent by proxy, though I can encourage you to do it and show, it where, show you where Scripture says it. 
We are called to be servants of God, each one, and servants of others. And that's the call we accepted when we were baptized. The pathway forward for every one of us is service. In Galatians 5 and verse 13, you, there's that word again. Nobody needs a definition. Here's that word again. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's freedom from sin. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Nobody can take that passage and carry that out for you. Somebody can read that passage to you. Somebody can urge you to do what Galatians 5.13 says. But Galatians 5.13 begins with that word, you. And in my case, me. Serve one another. It is my duty. It is your duty. And together as a church, as we serve God and we serve others, we are navigating the pathway forward. Number four, the decision to persevere. I think there are times in life, I know there are times in life as a Christian when the devil fires around at you. The devil fires around at you at us. It may be some temptation that hits us in a time of weakness. It may be an illness, it may be a loss, it may be a form of persecution, or it may be that we just get tired. Maybe we're upset with other Christians. Paul wrote about the reality of being weary in doing well. Sometimes the devil finds us going strong and he wants to take us down. So there is the decision to persevere. Continue. And nobody can do that for you. Do you remember Barnabas in Acts 11? People obeyed the gospel in Antioch and a church was formed there and the apostles in Jerusalem needed someone to go to Antioch and do what was needed in the manner of teaching and influence for those new Christians and Barnabas was the man for the job. <coughs> and it says in Acts 11.23, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He couldn't persevere for them, but he could encourage them to persevere. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Barnabas didn't have the power to make them remain faithful. The apostles who could perform miracles could not make people obey the gospel and be faithful to God. 
Perseverance in the faith is a personal decision. I can't remain faithful for you. You cannot remain faithful for me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, sometimes called the great resurrection chapter. Here's what it's about in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote about Christ's resurrection. And then he transitioned over to our future resurrection. The passage argues for the authenticity, the history of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The evidence supplied by witnesses, objections are answered, and questions are addressed. But how does the chapter end? How does the chapter end? In 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's perseverance. That's perseverance. Steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Remaining faithful after baptism. Making the personal decisions that are packed into that word steadfast. Immovable. And that phrase, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. We can discuss perseverance. We can define the word. We can read all the passages about perseverance. We can pray that others will embrace perseverance. We can issue exhortations for people to persevere. But I must decide I will remain faithful and you must decide you will remain faithful. I must put myself in that pathway forward. We talked about a few weeks ago. Knowing that I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. The Bible teaches the concept of personal responsibility. Preparing this sermon, uh, this passage came to mind over and over again. In Ezekiel 18. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. That's the assignment from God to each of us of personal responsibility. I can read to you what the Bible says about that. I can urge you to read the Bible for yourself. 
I can remind you of the power of the gospel to save you and keep you saved and keep you steadfast. I can speak to you of heaven. I can speak to you of hell and the certainty of death and judgment, but only you can make these critical decisions about your life on earth and how that life will end for you and what will come after that. Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke eleven fifteen. What a difference. What a difference it can make in your life and in my life after we've decided we're just going to listen to God. We will read the Bible and we will respond with obedience and steadfastness. Let's be standing together as we sing.